0: The following episode of The Walking Dead podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com is the premier source of spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. Choose from their extensive catalog of over 215,000 audio programs from leading audiobook publishers, comedy specials, magazine and newspaper publishers, business information providers, as well as many other products. Audible is also the preeminent provider of spoken word audio podcasts for Apple's iTunes Store. In addition to audio programs from outside publishers, Audible.com introduces Audible Studios. Matching the most imaginative and esteemed authors with the world's best performers, including Academy Award winners, respected stage actors, and Juilliard graduates, Audible Studios produces a diverse catalog of engaging audio ventures for every age. Sign up today for your free... No obligation trial membership at audibletrial.com forward slash dead. You'll get a free audiobook and you'll be helping to support the Walking Dead podcast. So head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash dead and start a new adventure today. And now we're pleased to present the latest episode of The Walking Dead Podcast. We always think there's going to be more time. Burnt out. It's the Walking Dead Podcast. Got any advice for me? Yeah,
1: I'd say make a lot for it.
0: This is the Walking Dead Podcast. A podcast dedicated to the Walking Dead television show on AMC and the Walking Dead comic from Image Comics.
1: Come on, come on. Back
0: here. So sit back, relax, and join the herd.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Welcome back to another episode of The Walking Dead Podcast. I'm Scott, and here with me, as always, is Mr. Gary. Hey, we're back. We are. We're back again.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is our grand return. twice.
1: Grand return twice. <laughs> grand
0: return twice, yeah.
1: Nice, I like
0: that. Yeah. We had to take a, uh, a week off last week, and uh, due to a illness on my part, which has uh, delayed production of the show, but I'm better and we're back in production. So there you go. Yeah. What else can you ask for?
1: I mean, now um, if they can only just take care of that mental illness you have, that would well, really help us out. I,
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what you mean. <laughs> sure you don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what what, what you mean. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <was> good. <laughs> okay. Well, um, you know, um, here's our legal disclaimer. That the um, this doesn't constitute Gary's Gary's statements don't constitute a, an actual medical evaluation. That would be a class two felony. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> not a licensed medical or psychological practitioner, so you no. you'll you be hearing from my lawyer.
1: <laughs> i mean, file a
0: defamation suit against you, like Donald Trump does. <laughs> this is episode two twenty six of the podcast. But first, the sanctified boilerplate. As always, you can leave your comments and feedback by emailing us at twdpodcast@gmail.com at gmail dot com or by posting a comment on our Facebook page. Yes. That's still Wait, on fa-
1: That's Facebook is still a thing,
0: you know. <laughs> stop, stop, stop playing with me. <laughs> you can give us a call on our voicemail line at 561 501 1483 and let us know what's on your walking dead mind. Again, that's 561 501 1483. And now to dive right into our main event, our recap of. Season 9 episodes 10 and 11 Omega and Bounty I must say I'm glad that they're using One word titles
1: Yeah it's neat
0: Alright well um, Diving right in I'm a little mixed on these little mixed. Yeah. You know, usually within the first five or ten minutes, I know whether I like the episode or if I don't like it as much. Or if I don't like it at all. Mm -hmm. But enough about Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But uh, this one, it took me some time to make that decision. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of of the first episode on Mega seemed to be about the dynamic between Daryl and Henry and Daryl and Lydia through their shared experience of being victims of abuse. Yeah. I liked, and I don't remember which episode it was in, but Henry references the scars on Daryl's back. And I thought at first he was talking about abuse that he suffered at the hands of his father because in season three when Daryl and Merle are having an argument in the woods and Daryl tries to leave and, and Merle grabs at him and rips his shirt and he sees scars on him. Yeah. He says he didn't, he claims he didn't know that father was abusing both of them and Daryl's like, yes, you did.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah. it, I I realized real quickly but that when he said, what Henry says next, I know what you did, to keep things safe over there. Obviously that's a reference to the, the scars that Michonne and he had on their back. Yeah. So you learned a little bit more and I kind of like that aspect to it. Cause they're leaving something that they can do with a special movie. True. With one of those movies. I imagine now that they give little pieces of it, but don't tell you the whole thing that, at some point, they will give you enough that leads into a movie that tells that story.
1: That's a neat thought. I hadn't thought about that.
0: Yeah, and I like that because, you know, they're they're supposed to be doing, remember, three movies. Yeah. One of which is going to deal with whatever happened with Rick after.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I imagine one will deal with those scars. What happened with that. Yeah. Who that they met. And why that happened. Because clearly those are like, whipping marks or some type of branding or it looked more like whipping marks than a brand.
1: And from the few little comments we've gotten about it, it seems like it was a traumatic event, whatever it was that caused that. So it's interesting to hear little tidbits, like you're saying here and there.
0: Like when when, when, um, Michonne says to him, thank you for looking for him. Yeah. And thank you for the rest of it. Clearly, Daryl did something that helped resolve that situation.
1: Yeah, and he was in it too.
0: Yeah, so that, I mean, that's good. I mean, that's a good um, storytelling device, and I hope they follow through with that. It it seems like uh, Angela Kang is is really kind of focusing on telling more uh, comprehensive and substantive stories. And doing character development, but doing it in a way that has enough action where you don't get bored. Yeah. I never mind the character development episodes as much because you need them. Mm-hmm. And that's how you keep your performers happy so that they want to stay on the show. <laughs> I imagine that, that now that Daryl will, will have, obviously, much more storylines around him. even Not that he didn't have them before because he's probably the most popular character on the show. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah. so I, no doubt now. No. Now he's really gonna have some central. And, and I noticed that in these two episodes, there's no Michonne. There's no Eugene. I only yeah. noticed that because it made me happy. And then, was, <laughs> you know, the, a lot of the characters weren't there. It was really focused on the hilltop. Obviously, yeah, we know why. But so, um. On the second episode, Bounty, I could have done well at the whole Kingdom side story. Although yeah. I, although I know why they did it. Because, you know, you, yeah. need to, those, you have to keep those people in the story. So they added them and they came up with a uh, kind of a, I guess, a, what was supposed to be an interesting way to do that. I think the only part I really liked about it was the flashback at the beginning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Learned a little more about what happened. Between the communities during the time skip, yeah, and I, I, I like the whole thing that they, they gave uh, Ezekiel a copy of the unsigned constitution. That you know of the community, the federation constitution that Michonne drew up, yeah, I like that, and and I like it. Really looked like a like a foundational document written in calligraphy, and I hmm. thought it was, it was uh the whole visual of it as like a big scroll like the U.S. Constitution in this yeah. tube. I thought that was nice. And then when Ezekiel knew what it was right away and was really moved by it, I thought that was great.
1: And it was nice to see Jesus again in the yes. flashback.
0: Yes. I was going to say that too.
1: Yeah, that was cool.
0: I, I really liked that. I thought that was well done. And I noticed Tom Payne's name was in the main cast credits. Oh, really? I didn't notice that. At least for that episode. I don't didn't notice it on Omega. I wasn't looking. Hmm. But I noticed his name was in there instead of being listed as a guest star. So that was good. Yeah, but that's probably a contractual thing because they left Sarah Wayne Calles or Calles or Calles. I don't know. If it was Spanish, I assumed it was Spanish because there's a lot of double L's in Spanish names. Yeah. In Miami, that's pronounced like a Y. But uh, I guess it's Callie's in her case. Which, Probably. Because I liked, for the most part, I really liked her character on Colony far more than was Lori. Really? I found Laurie fucking really annoying. Yeah. the time she died, everybody hated Lori.
1: Yeah, I remember just the huge sigh of relief that we were all like really happy to see her finally be dead because we just, but especially like as the show went on, she got more and more annoying. It seemed oh, like. Yeah. I like, mean, like, the, right by the end, she was almost insufferable.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the whole dynamic that her son had to put her down was very heart wrenching but the yeah it was and and Rick and uh, Andrew Lincoln's Andrew Lincoln when he sees when he looks at Carl he realizes that's what happened and that's why he has that that really upset really great scene that he
1: Yeah did. that was a really cool scene though even though the meme constantly makes fun of it now but yeah <laughs>
0: it's... It, it was not so much that he was sad that lori died which i'm sure he was but he the idea that his son had to put his own mother down was yeah more than he could handle so uh but they left her name up through i think the first half of season 3 even though she died in like the third episode
1: oh well wow.
0: so hmm. and that's i think that was the first season when they went to the 16 episode dynamic cuz i think there were only i think there were 13 episodes in season 2
1: yeah I want to say you're right. Yeah.
0: But uh, I thought these were good episodes. It just took me like almost the whole way through to decide it. And, hmm. you know, I mean, even Nadia Hilker wasn't enough. I had to imagine Adrian Peluki was in it. <laughs> i to see you in a minute. <laughs> so, Would it help
1: it. if you imagined like she's one of the whisperers that is still covered up and stuff? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, it's Adrian Palicki over there. You can't see, but maybe she'll take off the mask today.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, I said all she has to be is in it, <laughs> even if it's just like a cameo. And it's a great film. <laughs> uh, yes. Haven't watched The Orville yet, season two, but.
1: Me neither. I'm so disappointed in myself. I love that show so much, and I haven't caught up.
0: That but. is one of my main reasons for watching it.
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: Other than I love Seth MacFarlane, but. Uh, the very idea that he would be married to Adrian Palicki at some point in this past is just preposterous. <laughs> Please. He's not good enough for her.
1: <laughs> well, doesn't that give you hope that in some sort of alternate world, maybe you would have a chance?
0: Well, there's no way that would ever be true. I
1: am not <laughs> there's I no am way not that could ever be true.
0: I am not worthy of that goddess. <laughs> not worthy. The only... The only Goddess that is a higher-level goddess would, of course, be Jennifer Aniston.
1: Mm, that's fair.
0: Yes. <laughs> just had a birthday a few weeks ago. Oh, did she? Yep, She just turned 50.
1: Did you go to the party?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody could see me. I was, a I was a fly over here on the wall going, I'm just going to, with all 16 of my eyes, I'm going to look in one direction. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop occasionally on Courtney Cox, but then I will go look Take over. Take a here. little break,
1: fly by the cake, you know. Yeah. Have a little food, go back to That's your viewing.
0: Anything? Just there, to see, just there to observe. <laughs> it goes back to my security experience: observe and report.
1: Just a little. I'm just picturing little mild mannered fly. You just like you know, nothing to see here. Just, uh, just, just observing. No, but
0: just, you just uh, with, with one of my little uh, feet there, just stroking the whatever passes for the fly's chin. Going. <laughs> I'm contemplating. This must be what fly heaven is like. <laughs> fly heaven. <laughs> yes. You know, after the after what is it? The thirty-two day lifespan of a fly. Yeah. You just, just go to. A,
1: an eternal celebrities' birthday party filled with beautiful people.
0: Is it, is it flies have like a thirty-two day lifespan or something? And then it's Something die. like that. Yeah, yes, it's really please. short. Yes, I'm a middle-aged fly. I'm two weeks old.
1: <laughs> it explains your, uh, you know, brain power.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Gary's got <laughs> the knives out today. <laughs> God, I'm sorry I was late. Jesus. You made me wait a week, Scott. Yeah. I was sick.
1: <laughs> it's not an excuse. ER. Were you vomiting or bleeding profusely? I was in the ER and they didn't have Wi-Fi. Oh. Next time you're doing one from the bed, I don't care. In the ER, we're doing a podcast.
0: Don't mind that. That's the sound of the CAT scan thing. <laughs> Hold for one minute. What is that? <laughs> That's the CAT scan guy. Yeah.
1: CAT scan guy.
0: And when my voice goes away like that, that's because that's the, the thing moving me back and forth. <laughs> <In another laughs> way, the Cascan scan thing. <laughs> so anyway, once again, <laughs> we explore the storyline where, where Gary takes a big dump on Scott.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just a weekly occurrence, though, really.
0: I'm used to it. It's kind of yeah. like, you know, it's like a constant companion. My wife <laughs> is like, what is that smell? Yeah, I was talking to Gary (laughs) (laughs) right on my head. (laughs) That's fair. Exactly. So uh, once again, we explore the storylines where these people, who should know better, do something extremely (laughs) dangerous and filled with unnecessary risks for entirely symbolic reasons. Yeah. One thing for Carl to take a huge risk to secure a photograph of his mother at the local bar and grill in the episode Clear so Jews would know what her mother looked like. But that was still relatively early in the post-apocalypse, and we just, you know, Carl was a little kid and didn't know shit. <laughs> really, I mean, you know... The, yeah, no, you they would right. do stuff. In the early days, I would expect them to do stupid shit like that.
1: Yeah, plus, like you said, he was a kid. Yeah. And actually, uh, one thing real quick. I have a friend who just started watching Walking Dead that I, I think I referenced last episode. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, something came up. One of my friends said something about uh, Judith taking over for Carol, for Carl or something like that. And she's like, what Carl dies? I'm like, well, yeah. And she's like, good. He's really annoying and he never listens and he always leaves the house. <laughs> I'm like, it's just all the stuff we all thought in those early days when he was a little oh, kid yeah. Yeah. and he would never listen. He'd always leave the house and get himself in jams. And then the adults would have to go and save him. And-
0: Where was is she horrible. at in the show?
1: Uh, she is, uh, halfway through the prison, I believe. Oh, okay. Somewhere in season three.
0: Okay.
1: not halfway through the prison, I guess, but halfway through the first season of the prison. Okay. Yeah. She's moving along. She likes it a lot though. She's getting really into it. Like we all did.
0: Yeah. 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 Not tell her it's all downhill from there, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah,
1: (laughs) I think she kind of knows at this point.
0: It's all down, It's all downhill in terms of ratings from the first time we see the Bat.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: true. haven't seen him in a while either. No. Mm, not that that means anything. But, you know, it's been like 10 years now in the zombie apocalypse and we've got the leader of a community going on a mission to get a, a fucking projector bulb. Yeah. That you can't extract quickly. It requires, like, Jerry says, "This is surgery."
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, you're doing surgery mainly in the dark, and you can't touch the thing or it'll blow up. Plus, that the thing is the bulb has been in there for ten years. <laughs> yeah. A possibility it might not work because it's ten years and the filaments in the bulb might be just eroded from I don't know. It's vacuum tube. It's va- a vacuum in there, so maybe not. Yeah. But but the electrical contacts on the bottom of the bulb might be corroded, Gary.
1: That's I mean, <laughs> uh, true.
0: This is so technically inaccurate. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, from the medical stuff that they put forth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, you're doing all of that in a the movie theater full of zombies. Yeah. You know? So just find a fucking DVD player or something. <laughs> Xbox One or a PlayStation cuz you can play DVDs and Blu-rays on that. They have electrical power, so that would seem to solve the problem in a little bit safer way, but then, you know, we wouldn't be able to be treated to the linguistic joy of listening to someone's annoying personal aphorisms that the other person they're talking to doesn't understand. When you squeeze the biscuit, when you squeeze out the biscuit, did you mean to make pancakes? <laughs> or terms that one shouldn't use after the age of 13, were bunned up or were preggers? Preggers. <laughs> I mean, what is this, a 1990s Alicia Silverstone film? As if.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, what annoyed me the most about that whole side mission was just that, like, you have this one really intense, uh, you know, hardcore half of an episode and then you have, like, this goofy little side mission of, like, the plucky sidekicks. You know what I mean? It's just like...
0: The plucky sidekicks, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the like, other, okay. Like, I'll the just... other guys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the other guys, yeah.
0: Yeah, the other guys.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it's just almost like, we just want to remind you that Jerry is still... Yeah. The, Jerry,
1: the... Jerry and the B-Squad are still over here doing...
0: Jerry is still the deludedly happy oaf. <laughs> who could like destroy you in two seconds with his battle axe? Yeah, Yeah, you know, there was a couple of examples of how this is, you know, leading into my next point. That's I just want to say, shut up, Jerry. <laughs> You're getting almost as annoying as Eugene. Wow, that's harsh. There was a character like that in Boardwalk Empire named George Remus who always used to speak in the third person when referring to himself. Like, Remus is pleased. Really? Yes. It was really annoying.
1: (laughs) It sounds like it.
0: Um, It was quaint for maybe like the first 500 times he did this. And, you know, yes, I'm exaggerating. The man was only in nine episodes. But (laughs) according to the inherently mistaken database, which, (laughs) by the way, has its own entertainment streaming app now. Anyway, one of the best scenes is when – Remus does this in an interrogation with the FBI in an episode later <laughs> on in the series, and the FBI agent very assertively tells him to stop talking like that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And awesome. Another example is this Star Trek audio drama podcast I used to listen to called Star Trek Outpost, where one of the characters was from the planet featured in this uh, original series episode called A Piece of the Action, which is in, in the original series, there's a concept they use, uh, called parallel planet development,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but there's also the concept they interviewed of cultural contamination where a federation ship would visit, uh, a primitive culture. And then in some way in their interaction, they would influence the culture to de- develop along the lines of some aspect of earth's history.
1: Oh yeah.
0: A little storytelling device. It, now you, I think about it. it, it they're, they're cool for what they were in the 60s, but the idea is kind of silly. This character, to make a short story long, this character <laughs> is from one of the planets in that that story theme where the planet developed along the lines of the 1920s and 30s gangland prohibition oh. battles. But the character uses these aphorisms hmm. that were popularized in movies in the 1960s about the mob was like, Hey, you want a piece of the action? You know? So they, they talk, this character all the time is, is speaking that way, Mm -hmm. but then always has to stop and explain, Oh, I'm sorry. Because nobody knows what the hell she's talking about. So she has to stop and explain what she meant and then explain, Oh, I'm sorry. This is just a bad habit. And they do this over and over and over and over and over again. Like they think it's funny. (laughs) <laughs> clearly, they think it's funny, but it's yeah. the same. It's the same thing with Abraham's aphorisms, the one with the bisquick.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, obviously, that's not so bad because you really kind of know what he's talking about right away. But Glenn doesn't know what he's talking about right away. Yeah, and then all the other all the other things he says. Where in the comic; he doesn't do that. He, I mean, like "bitch nuts" is kind of funny. <laughs> first, you know. 25 times But other than that It's like What does that even fucking mean? (laughs) Well like There's a One of his special attributes In The game On the The uh, the mobile game Yeah Walking No Man's Land Is Uh called Bitch Nuts (laughs) I don't remember what it is But it's some kind of Special ability that he has
1: That's funny (laughs) Yeah it's well they all,
0: they all have the, all the characters in the game have special abilities based upon things that they say are doing the show um, one is like scavenger another is like it, it's shaped like two hands praying for Gabriel oh yeah <laughs> I'm not spending any resources to develop Gabriel's character
1: Oh come on he's the best
0: yeah they basically introduced most of the characters from the show as as hero characters so those are really the only ones I play with because. They're the most powerful. So why accept the other ones?
1: Yeah, right. It's not even you worth
0: it. Spend your time and resources d- developing them, increasing their skills, and all that. And when you've got when I've got Daryl and Michonne, and you know, my favorite one is still Rufus. <laughs> Rufus.
1: Yeah, I never got him. I wanted to.
0: Rufus Hardwick. Yeah, you can still get it. I don't think you play anymore, do you?
1: uh not since i got my new phone i downloaded it but i haven't actually connected it to my uh account yet
0: I'm back into the guild man some asshole like kicked this all out
1: yeah you told me that i forgot
0: yeah i started you and i started the guild and then we uh, yeah we recruited a bunch of people and then you got busy and you weren't playing Uh and then i would after a person accumulated a number of points i would promote them to elder And some guy who was – and then there was a certain point in time I was too busy, so I handed off the leadership position to Severely Stoked. And then I just played as an elder. Hmm. And then one day I got kicked out of the guild. So I came back in, and it was just this one guy and Severely Stoked. And it seems the guy, he was quitting, he just decided to throw everybody out. (laughs) Wow, but he kicked you out. He kicked me out. Uh, I got back in, and then I got severely stuck. Gave me back the, the leader position. But we got about we got about like 15 or 16 people. They can get 25 hmm. all together. So we got a pretty good, pretty good uh, number. Which I'm surprised. I've tried to form groups like that in other games, and nobody joins. Yeah. But this one, I mean, we have a consistent group of people that come in and out. Some people come in and they play for a week or two and then they don't want to spend any money on the game, so they just sit dormant. After they, I observe them, if they don't play for 30 days, it means they've quit. I was played Game of War for a long time, but I, I finally it was like that's so out of hand. You'd literally have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to get to a point where you can compete with yeah. Your, because there are so many people in there that they must have put their, put up like three or four cre- credit cards and their mortgage, to pay for all of the upgrades and gold that they buy in these games. I'm like, are you? You're insane! It's a game you're playing on your fucking phone. <laughs> yeah, and
1: you're paying that much for it.
0: I mean, really, it's crazy. I th- I mean, it's they're fun and all, but it's it's like so much of social media. I hate to beat the dead horse, but it's like so much of social media there's so there's good in it but there's also so much bad yeah and it's it's almost like a drug i think for some people where they it it gives them a sense of interaction or some type of psychological accomplishment i don't know i'm not you know studied in that area but i can't speak for anybody in particular yeah don't. When I played Game of War for a while, I really found that a, a very enjoyable experience. But I never confused it with an actual accomplishment. And I think <laughs> the arrogance of some of these people's statements—it it really connects. It really connects well to the concept in *Walking Dead* they mentioned about too far gone. Oh yeah. And why that happens is because there's no consequences. In a world where there's no consequence, people develop along the lines of how they're naturally inclined because there's nothing, there's no pushback
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that whatever resistance they might get from other people who don't want to let them do what they're doing. But other than that, like in that world, if you, if you encounter somebody and kill them and nobody saw you who takes issue with it, nothing happens to you.
1: Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: You want to like Joe and his people clearly when they would encounter other people, they would murder them and take their stuff. And who's going to do anything about it? Right? Yeah. That's a thing that I find just amazing. Like, I didn't really put in the notes, but even the whispers represent something that they've done over and over and over again. Yeah. They're encountering as an adversary, somebody whose psychosis has developed in some kind of crazy, some kind of, their psychosis has developed into some kind of aberrational perception of how reality is now that they act in a way that is you know that results in them feeling they have to kill everybody or that reality is so skewed that it ends up with them having to kill whoever they encounter like the even the whispers her viewpoint is it's the world belongs to the dead now we have to act like them yeah Oh, no, you don't <laughs> and wall yourself off. And I look at the walkers as just another element of nature. That's dangerous, like hurricanes or storms, other types of storms. And you build structures to protect yourself from that. Well, same thing. You build a wall around the community to keep the zombies out. And that's how you continue human civilization. But her view is that's not realistic and it's actually weak. Strong people walk around with the zombies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like, and the, like the whole scene with her, the baby. If the if the if the mother can't quiet the child, then the then the the dead will. What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was messed up.
0: Yeah, um, in, in a way that was kind of, in my view, a little bit of lazy writing. I would say my next point is. I really hate Henry. Yeah, he's the new Grand Fuckstick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: You put him up there with Chris?
0: The Grand Negus of Fucksticks. <laughs> Worse than Chris. Wow. Yes, I hope that he's destined to become lunch. Really, <laughs> I'm getting tired of the indignant teenager. Who knows more than you and puts you at risk because he decides things right there. (laughs) Like what he did in the one scene where he runs, runs to save that woman. And of course it's a trap and Carol knew it was probably a trap. And in fact it was, Mm -hmm. and it was those saviors that had that run in with her before. Um, Fortunately, Zeke was, uh, I think that was his name. Zeke was like, "You didn't. You let me go, so I'm gonna let you go. I'm just gonna take your stuff." <laughs> I like the fact that she lit him on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah. mean, stuff like that. He's he does that shit all the time. And you would think, look, somebody is to just take him and then haul off and smack him one. <laughs> Dude, you're gonna get yourself killed, and you're gonna get me killed, and I'm not gonna have that. But yeah, he, he did. <clears throat> <laughs> They've clearly adapted Carl's storyline. In, in, into to him mm. and then part of of sophia's storyline is not enid yeah kind of dispersed it a little bit but Henry's clearly clearly uh channeling carl's storyline where it refers to lydia because that's what carl does carl's the one walking around with her carl's the one that goes after her
1: yeah that makes sense
0: but in the book it's because she uh it's because while they were walking around she had sex with him yeah <laughs> i'm glad they didn't do that in the in the tv show because then we're be like oh all this and then henry gets laid too okay that's enough <laughs> now it just it just to me the chemistry and the, the the dynamic of lydia just and henry just wouldn't have fit that it seems to work much better in terms of chemistry in the in the comic also because lydia explains in the society that her mother's established they don't have like family dynamics anymore and they they illuminate that when she slaps when alpha slaps lydia when they're reunited Mm -hmm. after lydia says i'm sorry mom and she she tells her you will call me alpha like everyone else Mm -hmm. they don't have the same dynamic and in the comic book, Lydia has been passed around to many of the men in the community so that they can have sex with her. Oh, in the book, and they didn't talk about that in the show. And I'm, I don't know if they'll include that in the show, but that's a feature of, of her character in the, in the book. She's somewhat more docile, and not like hysterical half the time like she was on the TV show, mm-hmm. because she doesn't really understand. And they did a good job, I will say, of, of her having that disconnect by when she comes to realize when the woman walks out with a baby at night and everything's safe, that she just has that kind of mental disconnect. Yeah. Um, she just doesn't, in the book, she doesn't have any familiarity with what we understand as civilization at all. She just knows the nomad life. And there's no family dynamics, so to her, it doesn't seem at all unusual that adult males would have sex with her, you know, with her mother's consent. Yeah. So, because they, let's like Alpha says, we're animals, and animals have babies out here. They really do live a lot like animals, but they do also maintain some trappings of of human civilization, because I believe they do have a doctor. Hmm. Because in the book, they're, the people that they capture, it's not the, like in, in in the show, clearly the whispers murder anybody that encroaches on their territory. Yeah. And they kind of showed – they didn't really – you really see it at the end when when at the end of that movie theater segment, when they're leaving, they pass a sign and on the back of the sign it has a symbol painted on it, which – uh, is either the whispers territorial marking or it's somebody else.
1: Hmm. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't. What did it look like?
0: It's like a uh, triangle with a, cr- with a line at the top.
1: Hmm.
0: Something like that. That's a territorial marker. It's either the whispers mark their territory with that or somebody else marked their territory with that. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. And so, uh, Anyway, the, the dynamic is much different, which hmm. uh, I'll get to in a second. But the, I'm also done with Kelly. Oh, are you? And it's the same thing with, with uh, Chris Henry. <laughs> <laughs> um, the in-your-face teenager, the very passionate and driven teenager. I'm tired of it. Enough. Overdone. It's just because it's done all the time. I mean, Carl, the same problem. Yeah. Same problem. I get it. You're young. You're full of full of energy, but you're gonna get people killed. <laughs> and now, now what has Henry done? He's went off after Lydia because he just can't live with it. And so now Daryl's got to go after him. More, as much because I think he does feel some sense of responsibility for Henry, but also because of his friendship for Carol. But yeah. now Connie's going with him. And so now two people are now going to be in an increased position of risk because Henry just made a decision.
1: And he didn't even get laid for it like
0: Carl did. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, it's crazy. I think she's a good person. Dude, you just met her. How do you know? How do you know she's a good person? How do you know she's not acting? <laughs> I mean, the way I, I love the way Daryl handled her interrogation. You know, he eventually. Yeah. Got to a point where she trusted him enough and he knows enough about uh, violent survivor's trauma to know when she's lying and because he probably experienced some of the same things himself. And so, like, when he sees the marks on her arm, he knows that's from being beaten with a switch. Yeah. Because he said, you knew when he comes in with that switch, he says, you knew exactly what this was when I walked in with it. Hmm. and anyway, I'm done. It's done. I need her to turn. <laughs> I need Kelly to turn back into a tall, bald, black dude like she is in the book.
1: <laughs> that'll fix your character?
0: Well, that'll fix that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. They had. I, I guess in, in the book, it's kind of a balance. There's Yamiko and Magda and um, Connie are the women. And then you've got Luke and Kelly that are the men. Yeah. Sixth one Bernie, who got killed in the in the beginning when we first meet them. They show him getting killed in the in the book, but they only show him after he's a zombie on the show wearing that loud shirt. Yeah. Um but I don't recall if Yumiko and Magda are in a relationship in the book. I haven't gotten that far, but um they had a kind of a gender balance. This one the only guy is Luke. Fine. True. Whatever. But I don't know. I don't know why they did that. Uh, in any case, um, I thought the adaptation of the confrontation at the gate of the hilltop was better in the book. Just yeah. I think I think the approach that Maggie uh, went at it with was more realistic. Because with all those people, she really doesn't want to get into another fight. It, although it in the book, it's much less time has passed. It's still been close enough to the war with the saviors that they don't want to she doesn't want to jeopardize the safety and content you know the the continuity of the community mm-hmm. by having another fight with someone and so she is very diplomatic and alpha is very diplomatic it's not like daryl comes out and says we got enough firepower to light you up yeah yeah and clearly, it, it's very clear, at least the book makes it clear. It's not so clear in the show, but the book makes it clear that Alpha doesn't want to fight either. She just wants them to know, don't come on my territory.
1: I feel like she comes off a little more confrontational in the show, though.
0: Yes, she does. But yeah, I think that has more, more to do with the way the actress that is playing her is playing that character. Mm, that makes and, sense. And, and with the flashbacks that they had it kind of establishes that her psychosis took her in a direction where, I mean, she murdered her own husband Yeah, in, in front of her kid in front of her kid. So she, uh, but uh, by the same token, I don't think she was that much more aggressive than she's portrayed in the book. That would have that the proper way to deal with that was for Daryl just to go out there on his own without discussing with Tara first. I mean, Tara's the leader of that community and Daryl's, making a decision that affects the whole community. Yeah. Wasn't his decision to make.
1: No, it wasn't. That didn't seem right either. I agree but, with that.
0: But they're all into this whole thing about Lydia needs to be protected. You can't have her back. Maggie doesn't ever do that. Mm. And, and alpha didn't capture alpha captured. much like in the show, alpha captured uh, the two guys. It's two different people in the, the book. It's not two characters that aren't like primary she captures them to trade them for her daughter, but she, mm. if I recall, she provides them medical treatment while they're at the camp, where they, one of the, wherever their camp is set up at that moment, and then brings them back, but they're not, like, gag. They're not holding knives to their throat. They just have their hands bound behind them, and she says right away, I'm going to make you a trade. I don't want a conflict here. I just want my daughter back, and I show you my face because I mean you no harm, which is what she said on the show, too. And so Maggie's like, thank you for not hurting my my men. Give me a few minutes and I'll go get Lydia. And of course, they go through that whole thing where Carl and Lydia are hiding for a moment. Mm-hmm. But Maggie says, look, they've got two of our guys and this is her daughter. And we don't have her. I think she says, basically, we need to do this. And Carl's like, no way, no way. Typical shit. And then Lydia does what she does in the show. I, I'll go back. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So then she goes back, and then Carl follows after her. That's about as far as I got reading it. I didn't realize I read that far out, but um, <laughs> I thought I thought it worked a little bit. No, they added the thing with the baby, and then Con, uh, Connie running through the crops, and then somehow magically being saved by a bunch of people who got out that nobody saw.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit uh, magical. <laughs>
0: yeah, but I mean, I, it, it worked. It worked, and I, I, it was good to establish the the dynamic of of how Alpha runs that that group. But by, by the same token, a lot of it was a lot of it was done. And and Mag, like I said, Maggie didn't want to fight such a large group of people, even if they didn't have guns.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Whereas you know, I understand Daryl's Daryl, but I don't know. I think there was a lot of things problematic with, with what the hilltop did, more so than the more so than the small things outside of the the, the way in which the whispers are designed. Anyway,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that were were not good. But the last point I want to make is about uh, you notice there's the use of flashbacks. Yeah, prominent in this season, or at least the second half of the season.
1: I wonder if they feel like they have to do that because of the time jump and the fact that, you know, Rick and Maggie and you know, all of them are gone. I don't know.
0: Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I know it's a – obviously it's a, a well-used t- storytelling device in other genres. I remember when I took my screenwriting class, the screenwriting teacher that I studied under said he didn't really like flashbacks because he thought it wasn't a high level, high enough. It was a kind of lazy storytelling hmm. and it was better to do it through inferences rather than a direct flashback. Cause you're not, you. part of the storytelling experience is the picture that the reader or the viewer conjures in their mind to give them the connection to the story. Right. The relation and the, the issue with, showing somebody what happened in the past in a flashback is that that's doing all the work hmm. and you might get a connection on some level with that too, but it's better. It's better. And I find I enjoy conversation that most closely resembles the way people actually speak to each other. When someone speaks to someone about something they already know about, but they speak in over an overexpositional prose yeah. That's not the way we would someone would talk to somebody about something they already know.
1: Or like, remember how on the first episode of Fear the Walking Dead, where Kim Dickens was talking about how her husband passed away? Yeah. I forget exactly how it came out, but I remember we both commented how nuanced it was, and it was nice to just yeah. see someone talking conversationally without throwing in yeah. so much extra information just to be exposition.
0: Yeah, she's talking to someone who already knows that her husband's dead. So she's just giving a couple of details about something they both already know. Mm -hmm. Well, um, three years ago when we started that particular segment of our conversation, (laughs) I don't remember what prompted it, but Adaptation.
1: But it came out nice.
0: Interesting was the episode title for episode nine, Adaptation. Hmm. So I... um, I am certainly continue to be interested in what happens next.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. They're, um, they're going interesting ways with things.
0: Yeah, I, I like the change. I, I don't like it as much as the change in Fear the Walking that I thought is significantly better. And they put in new characters, like I mentioned, and then the in- introduction of, of Morgan. And basically, the I think the only two characters left from the original cast are, um, from season one are Strand and Alicia. Yeah, And then they added the one uh, lady from the the Mexican village where they were in the end of season two. Um, I forget what the character's name is. But uh, much better way. But again, they used the plot device I was complaining about a little while ago where a woman has an experience and she goes a little nuts and now her philosophy is she has to kill everybody that she encounters who's trying to help anybody else. Hmm. Because in her mind, if you help people, you're making them weak. (laughs) So when she turns somebody into a zombie, right before she kills them, she tells them, I'm going to make you strong. It's interesting, though, that she doesn't apply that logic to herself. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you just make yourself strong first, and then you can save everyone else the trouble. Yeah. Yes. Eh. Bah. (laughs) Bah. So remember to leave your comments at the usual place. And you can always Facebook? Yes. And the email address, twdpodcast@gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. Hmm. And you can also give us a call on our voicemail line at 561-501-1483.
1: Please. So, I'm just waiting. I'm tired. I don't want to mend the phones anymore.
0: Yes. <laughs> don't <laughs> <laughs> So stay safe wherever you are, and we'll see you back here for our next episode, whenever that is. (laughs) Hike. Hike.